Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Web3 Bike Podcast, the podcast where you guys know we jump to the latest bits in the decentralized world and also talk to some of the brilliant minds in the industry. Today on the show, we've got an awesome guest on today's episode that I'm super, super excited about. But before we get right into it, I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown. Our guest has been making big blockbuster movies and TV shows for over 20 years. We're talking major it's like Transformers that captivated audiences all over. But now, it's taking on a new challenge, reinventing storytelling for the Web3 era. So I want you guys to meet Adam Martin, the co-founder of Macrovas, a Web3 startup. And together with his co-founder, Adam is building a cool interactive world where fans and creators can own and shape stories across comics, films, games, and more. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah, I know. By bringing blockchain into entertainment, Microverse aims to unlock new possibilities for imagination and collaboration. So get pumped because we're about to dive into the future of fandom power tales. From big screen to blockchain, Adam has done it all. And he's just getting started. Hi, Adam. It's great to have you on the show today. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. That was uh, that was a, such a good introduction. That makes me sound amazing. I really appreciate it. So. <laughs> You are amazing. I am doing that in work. So introduction has to be amazing. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very kind of you, nonetheless. Much appreciated. No, I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to chatting. Awesome. So uh, let's just get right into it. So my first question for you is, what motivated you to start Macrovas and how has the journey been so far? Yeah, you know, really the three, you know, my the three co-founders, myself, my partner Evan Matthews, business partner Evan Matthews, and Ricky Rucavina, who's our third partner. Um, Evan and I met, golly, 20 years ago or something, um, where we you know, had this realization that we were both making stuff for other people. And that's been my my career in the entertainment industry has really been as an assistant director. So we're the people that run the sets, we organize the shows, we get, you know, there's some creative involvement, but it's a lot of kind of organizing this you know monster machine of anywhere from you know kind of 100 to 500 people on any day getting them to do what you need to make the end result you know um and i've had a great career and i love it and i still really enjoy like being on set making making stuff making interesting stuff is still just i absolutely love it and i've had the privilege of doing that with a lot of very smart people a lot of very creative people over the years and fundamentally you're always making stuff for other people and my partner Eben was in the same way you know he had a he had a uh, an agency he was a kind of went through the Rhode Island School of Design had an agency that was building kind of high-end interactive websites when that was a thing um, a lot of uh, UI UX on games which is how we met Ricky Rukavina who comes from the gaming uh, gaming background um, but fundamentally we realized yes love what we do and we're always making stuff for other people so why don't we start doing stuff for ourselves so we started writing together and then realized that you know had a little bit of success a little traction with that but also realized you know writing in hollywood involves a lot of kind of putting a lot of work into things and then even if you sell something half the time not even half the time 95 percent of the time that ends up sitting in somebody's hard drive not being made and that was what led us back to comics. And we felt like, look, we both grew up with comics. We both loved 
reading them. Why don't we develop something that allows us to, to, to critique these ideas that we have, put them out in the comics market so that people at least can enjoy them. We can see what happens. So we developed Macroverse and the app, the Tap Story app that we've we've is our kind of unique take on that to optimize comics for mobile for a mobile audience. And then we realized like, wait, if we like this, then probably other people will as well. And then it just kind of grew and we've attracted people and we've, you know, we've got fifty plus creators. We've got close to a thousand episodes on the app right now, working with a bunch of great communities around the web three space when we kind of shifted into that. Um, so it's been it's been you know the ups and downs of of building a business as I, I know I'm sure you know but it's 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 been a it's been a lot of exciting stuff but a lot of very satisfying stuff so far. Yeah, that's actually great to know, and um, I also like to add that it's pretty great that you have a shared passion with your co-founders. I mean, mm. you guys passion and you're building something amazing. It's like a mutual understanding of beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really great. It's a start of great things, really. It is really, really, really awesome. So, um, my second question is, because uh, you said Macroverse is focused on empowering creators and community collaboration. That's right. Yes, absolutely. That's one of our big focuses, yes. Great. So, I would like to know, and my audience, I'm sure they would like to know, could you tell us more about how you enable creators to benefit from their own success? Yes. So it's a couple of things for us. And so I think, you know, we look at every deal because my partners and I are all, you know, we come from the creative side of things. So we try and look at every deal that we put together, every creator we end up working with. As we form the company, we really approach it from the point of view of how would we feel if we were presented with this deal kind of on the other side of things. Um, and so as long as we can answer that feeling with, with the answer, we would feel good about this, then that's that tend to be what we pursue. And obviously we know we have a business to run and we've got to make sure we're solvent and liquid and able to grow and do all those things. But fundamentally, I think because we've been on the receiving end of some really crappy deals, we, we don't want to do that to other creators. Um, and what we, the way we approach it is, I mean, you know, we started out because we started off with our app purely in Web2. It was just, you know, it's up on the Android and the iOS stores right now. And that was really about uh, finding interesting small creators and giving them access to a digital platform kind of and hopefully be able to expose them beyond what they were already doing. And so we've definitely had some success with that. And we've had some series that have done have done really well with us on the app. And we've we've had some fun there. But then the introduction of the Web3 and, and kind of blockchain NFT space to that a couple of years ago, I think really opened up a whole other set of tools and opportunities for creators. So, you know, our monetization strategy for creators has always been like, great, we've got our app, the revenue comes in as a subscription app. So then we split, basically we split the revenue 50-50. We put half of it into a pool and then that gets divided up uh, amongst the creators on the platform based on readership on a kind of month-to-month -month basis. So, you know, the monetization opportunities there are very direct, very transparent. We want to be very open with that. Um, but then with the introduction of Web3 technology and, and specifically in that space, what we've been able to do is work with just a ton of new creators and help them, you know, help people that have, aspired to write have aspired to create things but haven't really known how to go about it don't really know what to do and, and how to how to pursue this 
really give them the opportunity to to get to pitch their work, hone an idea, get it into print, and and go from there. So, as an example, we're working with uh, a team, a project called Wand the Wanderers right now. Um, had a big success with their launch a couple of years ago. They got some funding from Animoca for a game that they're developing, which is super exciting. And I know there'll be announcements about all that coming out kind of very very soon. Um, but what they wanted to do was expand their story universe. And like a lot of these projects, they were it was a profile picture project. So they sold these really cool characters. Thousands of people own these things. And then they wanted to find ways that their community could kind of engage and, and expand beyond just owning these with access to a game, with access to thing. They wanted to kind of expand the universe. So they brought us in. And so what we did was really taught storytelling for two to three weeks in their community, just live sessions and obviously put them up, you know, they go up as the recordings and showed the holders of their wanderers what they could do and how they could tell these little like two page comic stories, 12 panels, super simple, but very condensed, fun little things that would feature their characters. And so here's how you talk about a story we did we bought one ourselves and did a little like kind of proof of concept thing that we could put out to show people um and now we've got you've got 10 stories that the community voted on you know 30 people i think pitched ideas we greenlit 10 of them and now we've got all these this you know hook them up with artists and now there's all this fantastic material coming into the to the platform to their platform and you know, which we are then going to adapt for our platform and there'll be NFT versions of these things. And then we're going to do a print version of these ultimately down the road. And as part of this deal, everyone who wrote these things are going to be participants in the profits from all these different iterations of revenue as you know, as they, all these things go out in the world and revenue is generated. The people that created these things will be benefiting from that ongoingly. Um, and that's, super exciting for them it's great for us it's great for the project like it's just a kind of win 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 all around and it's so exciting to see the the enthusiasm and just just joy that that people have seeing their ideas come to life when they really never had a way into that before it's it's incredibly exciting that was a great example, really. I didn't want it to end. I, I just wanted to keep this listening, listening, and hearing about how the whole thing went down. But it was, it was really, really great. And I also <laughs> like, I also like the way you applied the strategies and processes in the example you shared. And yeah. I, I also like to add that um, I impressed about how great those are set to earn with Macrobast. It's it's actually really really impressive. I mean, in the workplace space, creators it's it's a booming it's a booming industry if you ask me. But then oftentimes people don't take creators seriously in the web two space, and now so people from web two are in web three and are trying to do the same thing. So it's it's a really really so hear that you yeah. are out <laughs> let creators benefit from their work. It's it's highly impressive. Oh, thank you. It's also <laughs> it's, it's funny. Good. It's like it's it's it is exciting and it is. I think you saw that to your point is like, I think you saw it with a lot of web three people who got into the web three NFT space with these kind of from a more of a tech background. And certainly in the early days it's happening less now, but I remember, you know, you hear interviews with, with founders of different projects and they would in this very kind of flippant fashion go, well, of course we're going to do a comic and a TV show and a movie and a game and whatever. And I'd always just be like, hang on a second. You've just described 
like five years worth of work in a sentence like it's just going to happen magically and that's not the case so yeah i think the benefit of us having all of us having made stuff in all these different ways for this time i think we bring just a level of understanding to that to that yeah. process that that is really valuable and i think people in the web3 space really appreciate yeah i'm sure they do i'm sure <laughs> they do thank you for all that you do thank you <laughs> all right so um I was reading up on Macrovas, right? I did a bit of research and I realized that blockchain technology is core to Macrovas model. Yes. So how does utilizing Web3 help you achieve your mission of community-driven entertainment? So it's funny because I think it's definitely part of what our approach is, is really to meet people, you know, audience, fans, creators, where they want to exist, right? So we think about it as a, as a kind of participation spectrum. So at one end, you know, you've got your Netflix subscribers, as it were, right? They just want to, they want to pay a monthly sum. They want to have great content. They want to watch some fun shows. And that's all they want to do. And then on the other end, you've got people who want to like be really involved and really own a piece of the projects. And they want to have a creative say, and they want to be engaged. And then there's kind of this spectrum of people in between. And I think, Web3 gives communities access in unique ways kind of across that that spectrum of people. So, you know, Wanderers, for as an, as an example, there are going to be plenty of people when they release their game, there's going to be a ton of people who just want to go and play this awesome game that they're producing and we've had some steep peaks of it. It's going to be great, right? And most people, that's what they want to do. And then there are going to be some people who will feel like, you know what, I want to have a little more engagement in this. I want to have more participation. I want to own some of these characters. I want to know more about these characters. Part of what we're working on is some additional kind of lore around that. Um, so like, okay, that's that's down the spectrum. And then of course there will be people who are just like, yeah, I am all in on this universe, this world. I want to have my people be a part of this thing. I want to know what's going on. I want to have a hopefully a say in how the direction of these these. Um, you know, the, the the characters in the game and the universe and all these things go. And I think that's what is, you know, fan communities have obviously existed for, you know, as long as there has been entertainment on one level or another. But I think Web3 uh, gives, Web3 technology gives everybody a unique way of uh, interacting and accessing um, that fandom and the fan base and the fans give them a unique way of, of interacting with their the people the things that they are fans of and so i think it becomes this very in when it works it becomes this very kind of virtuous cycle of engagement that benefits the project and benefits the fans yeah that's right because there's one thing that i always tell people to that web3 gives you that sense of community it lets yes. you not alone right it gives you it just makes you feel welcome. And that is, I think that's what Web3 is based on. That is what is built on, that community. And now looking at it from the entertainment angle, just the way you explained, actually, so again, first this is what I've been telling people that Web3 is not about community, basically. I mean, you can't just yes. do it yourself. You can't be a lone wolf in this space. You can't. You have to have. Yes. I always tell them, you can't be a lone wolf in Web3. People know. I'm even sure some people call me the lone wolf girl. But I always tell people, nothing like this. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Yes. Can't be a lone wolf in work three. You need to have a community. And I don't just having a community, a community of, of like minded people, people who are passionate about what you do. And then 
I mean, it does all make sense when you have that already. So yeah, thanks for confirming my 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 uh, what was was the word I'm looking for right now? Or oh, what? Your uh, inclination, instincts. Uh, yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, good. Thank you. And then my sister saying, "Yeah, Adam was actually confirmed what I've been telling you guys about community all this while on the podcast." All right. That's great. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually curious, right? I mean, being an entrepreneur, building this um, fun startup, trying to enable creators earn and everything. So, mm-hmm. what are some of your biggest wins or milestones so far in building Macrobus? I think honestly, for the wins for us, I mean, we've done, we've been involved with some great projects. So, we've done, you know, uh, uh, we were very involved. There's a big game on Solana called Aurori. And so we were working with them for about six months, really building out the world of the game and and getting their scripts together for the first couple of seasons and where they go and what they do. It's like big, fun stuff, big, fun world building stuff is always exciting. Like that's the place that I'm, I'm kind of most excited to play in, in a funny way. Um, we've just announced and we're kind of early stages of development we're working with the hip hop artist DMC from Run DMC, you know, um, so the, the '80s hip hop band. Um, we're just announcing a project with him where we're again going to be building out this whole kind of amazing universe. So we're putting the first pieces together for that. Um, so that's been super exciting. And then it really has been. I think the thing that's almost see has honestly almost given me the most pleasure is working with working with some of these kind of new creators and getting, you know, their idea, this idea that they had that was cool, that's kind of a couple of paragraphs. And they're like, great, I have no idea how to take this out and do this. Great. So now we work together and we talk and we explore and how do you do it and what you format and what do you need to tighten? What can you expand? And seeing some of those projects from the from the commu- our own community and the other communities we've been working with seeing those things come to fruition is is satisfying on both a kind of professional and personal level because i think if i had had the chance when i was a kid or a young man before i started my my kind of assistant directing career if i had a chance to to do some of these things and have see my ideas in 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 print and on the online and all those fun things i just would have been ecstatic and so it's very fun to see it's very fun to see that in other people you know um so i think that's honestly the the thing that i'm i'm proudest of thus far uh and we're building some really cool stuff we've got this whole interactive uh comic reading experience we've also developed a way of packaging really packaging the comics inside the NFTs themselves so that, you know, you can go on OpenSea and interact with the with the, the, the comic that you own in unique ways. It's it's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, it is. I particularly like the word satisfying the use because, I mean, that's the dream of every creator, every entrepreneur. <laughs> when we get that sense of satisfaction that comes from seeing your work out there, people are proud of you, you're building cool things. Yeah, yep. I'm going to be using that word a lot now. <laughs> yes, yes, immensely. Yeah. All right. So, um, you mentioned empowering creators, and it's not just limited to a particular particular country or a particular region. So, it's safe to say you want to empower creators from across the globe. Yes. So, 
how does how does macrovas make entertainment production and funding more accessible and provide opportunities for international creators specifically yeah it's i mean it's a great question i think it is it's 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 important to all of us on, on, on a personal level you know, you know obviously you know by uh, we have a very international family so my wife is nigerian and panamanian now we live in panama we've got family all over the world it's you know it's it's something that's important to me to kind of i think help tie communities together and understand help you know ideas and creativity flow between you know different countries and different regions and different mythologies and all these things i was raised on greek mythology like that was my that was my thing um but my dad would tell me stories from the mahabharata and from you know experiences of his in you know in, in south africa and the lore there and the fire you know, just all these amazing stories from around the globe that provide insight and I think understanding between between communities is huge. So for us, very specifically, we just spend time looking for interesting artists and projects and teams of people from all over the place. And that's, you know, literally it's time that that Eben, my partner, you know, very specifically spends looking you know going through scrolling through instagram and going through the different art websites and just kind of scouring the the internet for oh these stories are interesting this art style is interesting this way of approaching things is interesting obviously manga is huge um we want to be bringing finding interesting manga and bringing that to the you know kind of english-speaking market and then vice versa we want to be translating the you know us or you know english language series translating those into japanese or korean or spanish or anywhere else that we can find a kind of interesting and thriving market um so that's one part of the approach is literally just going and finding teams and finding stories that we feel need to be told and then that has led us to i mean we have we're working with um people and teams in south america central america panama um, Nigeria. We're working with a team out of uh, out of Lagos, who's an art team, and then and then they've got uh, uh, obviously expanding stories from from kind of you know African, you know Central Western African mythologies. Um, we're working with people creators out of India, working with people in China. I mean, we're really expanding that across the globe. And then what we're doing is, if we find a series that's existing that we like, we take it, we pay for the adaptation. Um, for our app so that we know it can reach our audience there and then looking to expand those further as we grow in the in the web3 space provide more and more a marketing efforts and marketing expenditure for those creators but then also hopefully finding original stories not just taking existing content but finding okay you've got this great idea for a series um let us help fund you let us pay for the art let us let us let us contribute financially to its success we can co-own the idea and then we will then take it up and out and obviously everything we're doing is with an eye to film and television we feel like comics are a fantastic development vehicle for games animation film tv audio whatever else um but fundamentally we feel like okay at, as long as we're you know um compensating the creators properly yes ideally things become something else great but even if they don't everyone 
still wins in that scenario. Yes, a win-win situation. And I also like to note that it's really cool that uh, Macrobas is bringing on diverse creators. I mean, having diverse creators also gives you diverse audiences. Yes, a hundred percent. And I, you know, it's it is um, no, just I think for my partners, all of us. I mean. You know, we're three kind of middle-aged white guys. And we're like, yeah, we don't want to tell stories just for middle-aged white guys. We <laughs> want to be telling stories for people from across the world because I think that's that's what we should be doing. And that's, yeah, it's incredibly exciting. It's incredibly exciting. It says, it says. All right, so um, we would like to get some knowledge from you, from your yeah. years of experience in the industry. So that's what inspired the next question. So, yeah. um. What are some key lessons you've learned from your own background in the entertainment industry? And how are you translating those to the workplace space? You know, it's a few different things. Um, a lot of my work as an assistant director is about team building and kind of project management. So, you know, you're on set on a, on a small day on a film set, you've got 60, 70 people that I am in some way responsible for focusing, organizing, here's the shots, here's what's coming, the actors are engaged, this problem has happened, how do you adapt, how do you evolve, how do you, how do you, but fundamentally, how do you generate a sense of community and engagement and excitement about what you're doing? Because I always know, you know, things are always going to go wrong sometimes, right? Best planning possible, shit's going to hit the fan somewhere, and you're going to need people to really work and really go for it and change and, and go great. And I feel like setting you, if you set that up properly so that you're not constantly in kind of panic problem solving mode, but you're just, it's a good place. It's a good work atmosphere. Everyone feels heard. And the idea I've been lucky to, to be in lots of sets where the kind of best idea wins and it doesn't matter where it comes from. That is something that we always try and foster in our own, you know, in our own teams and as, as we're working, it's, it's, you know, plenty of ideas that I've pitched that have ended up in stuff where I have no idea pitching or a production assistant has done something or some great, it doesn't matter where, oh, that's fun. Let's do that. Or let's include that is just that way. I think you end up getting the best project. And that way also you end up getting the best end result. And it has the double benefit of everyone feeling heard and engaged in the, both the process and the success of the ultimate thing. So I think that's that's been huge. Um, just fundamentally storytelling, to, you know, I've, having worked with a lot of very, very, again, having been lucky enough to work with a lot of very good storytellers, I am constantly learning as I've been, as I've been working and using that knowledge and translating that and exp kind of uh, uh, hopefully imparting that to new people is just, has been, wonderful um and then some of the negative stuff too it's like oh i've certainly seen plenty of shows and i've had friends of mine who've you know been show running mega hit things and the studio you know lack of accounting transparency which means that there's you know literally friends of mine involved with kind of hundred million dollar lawsuits because the studio has been playing games with the revenue from the tv show that they've got and how does this work and what and i think taking the negative lessons and making sure again that we don't do that with people is important um and i think very genuinely like blockchain blockchain technology and transparency around that stuff is can be hugely helpful kind of above and beyond uh, you know 
what we are doing. Um, but yeah, so I think you get to benefit from both the positives of, of the talent and the people, the shows that I've done, and then also the negatives of the bad stuff that you see. And you just try and make a mental note of, yeah, I'm not going to do that in my own world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it reminds me of one time when I had a bad boss, like a terrible boss, and I made that myself that one day, one day when I have my own startup or my own company, I won't treat people like that. I would mm -hmm. never feel like that. I always make them feel heard. Because there was one time there was an internal role in the company and I wanted to give it a shot. So I wasn't picked for the role yet, but I felt like I knew about it because I do most of the work for people already in that position. And so one day she just called me into her office and she was like, she said it in like the most spiteful voice tone I've ever heard that. <laughs> and she was like, you, you two, you are applying for this position. What makes you think you are qualified for the role? I felt really, really bad. And I, I think I left the company less than three months after because yeah. it was, wasn't heard. It felt like I was being looked down for when I knew I could do so much more. And yes. that really, really spoiled me that when, when I have my own company, when I have my own um, startup, something and I'm employing people, I would never ever treat them like that. But yes. that's, and I'm being honest, that sometimes when I still, when I still, when, when I'm all by myself and I'm like, did you someone actually say this thing to me? Because it's <laughs> <laughs> the still feels strange, right? Because I feel like if you had given me that opportunity, because I've actually proved myself, gone above and beyond just to show that I can actually do it. But hey, it, it's all in the past. And I do not even pray for people to have a boss like I get. So yeah. it, it's um it's great that um, ideas are welcome from anyone and uh, from everyone. And then, like, when, like you said, when people feel heard, they are always excited to put in all their best because they know their work and their voices matter. And I like I like a welcoming and inclusive environment. Yeah, yeah. I think it's crucial. And I think it does. You also, you know, it's obviously a lot of the time you're like, no, we're not going to do that. But there's no... You can you can say no and not be disparaging about someone's idea. You could not do, it, but it just could. But but you never know when someone has that fantastic idea. That's like, oh yeah, no, that's it. That's what this thing should be. And if you're encouraging people to just speak up and have a voice, you'll discover those great ideas. Whereas if you are autocratic or spiteful or like you were saying that 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 bad terrible boss of yours who just go awful to you. What, how does that encourage her employees to, or their employees, sorry, to speak up and say and and give their best? It just it just doesn't doesn't make doesn't doesn't work, you know. Okay, at all. Thanks for thanks for sharing that knowledge with us. So, um, you mentioned something about blockchain, about how blockchain is transparent and, and all that. So, I like to ask you, what excites you most about the rise of crypto economies and communities enabled by blockchain? And when you see the biggest web three opportunities in sectors like gaming, movies, etc., it's I think there's a few different things again. So like, uh, gaming to me is such an obvious space that blockchain can be a benefit to. Um, the idea of digital ownership in games has been around for as long as there have been, certainly as long as there have been kind of any any kind of interactive playability. Obviously, when you know you were early Ataris, no, you didn't own those things, but yeah, I remember playing Doom back in the day and you're building up your, you know, your backpack full of weapons and you have these things and then you lose them and you get killed. Or let alone then World of Warcraft came along and I think that revolutionized things because you had these, you know, long-term arcs where you are just constantly gathering and, you know, gold and weapons and resources and all this stuff. 
Um, so those are all, there's digital ownership to all that stuff. It's just, you don't actually own anything as the gamer. There's no, there's no long tail to that. Um, and then the flip side, I think. So, you know, there's been this, there was the whole kind of play to earn thing that was happening in crypto. And that kind of imploded because I think that some of a lot of those mechanisms were pretty bad where I think gaming can really benefit from, from web three is the, is the idea of play and so it's not i'm i'm not playing this game to earn money it's no i'm playing this game because i love this but if i buy you know i know you look at roblox for example it's like great i buy robux and i use those robux and my daughter uses robux to buy a pair of butterfly wings that that she wants to play play with and wear as she's running around doing this thing right and then she gets bored of those butterfly wings after a month it's not that she's looking to then trade those butterfly wings to make more money. It's simply maybe she can go in a marketplace and sell them and she makes a, you know, they cost her $3 and she sells them for a buck and that's great because she's done with them, but somebody else likes them. Well, good. That's just subsidizing this thing that she already loves to do. And that to me makes, makes enormous sense, let alone the opportunities in gaming of, you know, cross cross-platform, cross-game transfer of assets, I think, could be really fun. Um, and so, yeah, to me, it just... Gaming makes obvious sense, but there's huge reluctance within the gaming industry to to embrace Web3. I think it's inevitable. I think it's going to shift there. Um, and I think that'll actually lead the way to kind of the concept, the the true embracing of digital digital ownership of things, I think, will really kick off in Web3. In, in gaming and in unique ways. Um, and then I think beyond that, you know, the ability to rapidly iterate on ideas, like you were talking about earlier, the community aspect of that, I think that becomes incredibly exciting um, because you're able to, you've got a dedicated community for an idea. You can run things by them. You can rapidly test ideas. You can involve communities in different ways and directly involve them, you know, again, we're getting ready to make an announcement about about kind of casting for a project from the community. Um, and that, I think, is going to be enormous because that is something that every kind of entertainment brand, company, whatever, that's what they really want. They really want an engaged community. Um, and so I think those abilities are... They're not, I think, unique to Web3 in terms of in terms of the that the, the community, but I think dramatically helped by it and certainly dramatically focused by that. Um, so I suspect it's going to be those two things. I think the idea, you know, the ability to kind of rapidly iterate on ideas within a, an engaged community and then gaming and the kind of the idea of subsidizing gaming, one's own enjoyment of a game using Web3 tech, I think those things will will really kind of prove invaluable and explode the the profile of web3 in general oh, that, that's true because i'm also excited about the huge opportunities in the web3 space especially game because last year while i was working with a web3 gaming company and i worked on a marketing strategy it was really awesome because i could see the opportunities outlined but um even before i left even before my contract was terminated i could see the opportunities that was outlined for both community for users and even for the company itself so i agree there's huge opportunity in in gaming in yeah. like amazing amazing opportunities yeah uh, seriously 
super curious and I'm rooting for people who are doing awesome things in the gaming space. I'm rooting for them. Like, you guys, just do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw actually gaming investment, Web3 gaming investment, shot up last night. It was really low. Uh, It was low in June, but then the theory was for all sorts of things, but it's up to kind of, you know, 550 million, I think, invested in July in Web3 gaming alone. So I think there is this, I, you know, inevitably there is people are recognizing there is money and opportunity there and that that'll audience will follow that ultimately because you'll get the big breakout game you'll get your world of warcraft or your grand theft auto or wherever whatever it might be that'll just hit and suddenly people will be like oh yeah no this is cool i like this and and that'll that'll trigger it you know yeah i'm sure i'm sure we'll get so many this is cool i like this so in the gaming industry like this is cool i like this this is cool i like this yeah <laughs> i'm getting so many users and so many community members in this space and so um now you mentioned money so money is probably my next question yes what are some of the biggest roadblocks today when it comes to compensating fans and creators friendly in entertainment and how will Web3 models change this? And how are you addressing those challenges? Interesting. I mean, I think, you know, we touched on a little bit of this earlier, but tra- lack of transparency in terms of kind of residual income is huge in the entertainment industry in general. Um, lots of very kind of fuzzy maths and mechanics and opaque models for the, you know uh, distributing income if a project is successful. So I think Web3 blockchain tech very specifically can help with that. I know I was talking to a lawyer actually who was down in South Africa looking to at a, exploring ways of moving government contracts onto the onto transparent public blockchains um, as a way of combating corruption because it's you know it's you, you can very easily kind of sideline a few hundred thousand dollars to to family members as it were if you if you if it's all very uh if it's all very kind of murky whereas if it's public blockchain and every transaction is recorded on there it gets really hard to skim off the top and it was fascinating talking to him about that as a kind of way of applying blockchain tech to a totally different industry um then we you know certainly in the comic space there's a lack just lack of monetization in general so webtoons is the big player in the digital comic space and they're very much like youtube they've got a ton of great stuff on there but it's now really hard to get noticed. So we've started working with a few different, actually, you know, creators who started on Webtoons and have migrated to us simply because, you know, they'll have 100,000 subscribers to their series and they'll have, you know, a couple of million views and they're making precisely zero money on that. So even with a smaller audience on our platform, they're making more on the back end. And so that's that's a big part of what we're doing. It. Um, our goal ultimately is to move up payments completely onto the blockchain so that we can you know it's just automatically like great money comes in it's recorded on a public ledger and then it gets distributed to everybody involved automatically through their wallets without any of us being involved and so everyone can just go in and see oh yeah i see this much money came into the contract i can see this was the distributions and we're on from there so you know that's that's a little way away obviously for us but that's the goal and i think that's what we're moving towards yeah, I mean, they always say transparency is key, and blockchain is already helping with that. So mm-hmm. there's no complaint yes. that hey, I'm being paid unfairly. Everybody can see what what they are earning, and they can see that there's no 
let me borrow Nigerian slang. There's no magu magu. There's no <laughs> magu magu. I'm not sure of that. I I haven't heard that before. That's great. What is that? That's just like murkiness. To like yeah, it's like when you are saying shady dealing that there's no magu magu. There's not nobody's hiding anything. Or what is it? Oh, that's right. Somebody okay. hiding. Yeah, so so. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm gonna have to adopt that. I'm not sure my my Ebo family might be upset if I use that, but you know it'll be great. It'll be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, let's start IP rights. Yes. Entertainment franchises often go across many mediums: movies, games, comics, etc. So how will Macrovas navigate IP rights as content crosses different mediums? So we do, we operate a couple of different ways. Essentially, if uh, someone has an idea or has a series that they want to bring to the platform, to our Web2 platform, we simply license it from them for a period of time. And then we agree like, great, you know, here's the revenue distribution. We're going to license this for 18 months. If we're all happy, great, keep it going. If you're not within 30 days, you can pull it off the platform or we can pull it off the platform if something goes wrong. Um, so it's very, very simple, and it's it's just very clean in that way. Um, and then, you know, for certain projects, then we sign you know shopping agreements. If we feel like, okay, we want to take this project and try and expand it out into specifically film and television, we'll sign a separate separate agreement on that, which with the creator, which says we're going to take this out. You know, should something become of it, we will agree to obviously there's going to be revenue participation from both, and we'll you know, address the kind of what we're owing you and paying you down the road. But again, we just want to be, we just want to be transparent with that. Um, and then the same kind of thing really for when we're dealing with Web3 communities and if we're taking characters and putting those into other, other into comic series or we're building something out or where, you know, people are submitting their ideas to us, we just, it's a, it's a straight up, you know, it's a just an agreement. It's just a contract and it's a pretty basic one and it says, you know, look, you give this to us. In the case of NFTs, if we're building a story around it, it's like, okay, we have the perpetual right to own this because obviously we don't want you to receive, you know, we don't want to put a bunch of time and money into creating something that then you can turn around, the creator can turn around and say, yeah, actually, I don't want you to do that with it. It's like, no, we're, you know, you are signing, you are giving us the right to use this character kind of in perpetuity. However, as compensation for that, you're going to have a piece of the revenue of that project in perpetuity as well. So in success, in in failure, there's no skin of anybody's back and we've, we've taken the hit. In success, you could be making a nice little chunk of money kind of for the lifetime of that project. And so, you know, we, again, try and keep it very clean and very simple. But we do, yeah, we we, anything we are using, we sign specific license agreements for that and the, terms of the ongoing revenue participation of that stuff are just all built into that that agreement well, i like the way you just explained it clearly and i like the way it's outlined so no creator will say okay i didn't read the dotted lines before i signed or i didn't read the contract before i signed i think it's actually easy i think all the way yeah. of us already it's looking mm -hmm. so and exciting i think i'll be a creator already mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no mago mago in any of this. Yes. No mago mago. <laughs> right. So, as an entertainment startup, so what are some of the main challenges in attracting 
tour and fan communities and also competing with established players in the space? Yeah, so, you know, attracting creators initially was actually quite easy because we were going after, you know, independent, slightly smaller scale um, uh, series and creators. And that was, people disliked what we were doing. So so they were attracted to us. And I think we got we got a nice amount of attention. We got a lot of great communities and, and creators we're working with. Um, building the community and the fans definitely takes time. I think especially at the kind of, you know, we had started just the whole classic web two marketing right the facebook and the pr and the blah 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 and 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 gaining some traction there but never quite hit um with the web three community building again it's it is that that classic thing of like oh it's the right person noticing you at the right time and the right bit of exposure and that um so that has definitely been the challenge of just getting a kind of large enough and engaged fan base we have a a very engaged community but it's quite small still however i think the the benefit of what we're doing is you know because we get to work with other communities as well it's like okay every time we go in and start working with other thing we just you know we took over a project called the bogu and we did an animated thing for that which is great and now we get to kind of start working with their community and do that now you know, the Wanderers is its own thing. We're starting, we're pitching another couple of series with other bigger communities. So each time you do something with somebody else, it benefits that community, but it also then raises your own profile too. And so I think that's the biggest thing we've seen that that helps. But it's also then, it's a bit of that chicken and egg scenario where you have to have enough of something cool so that a big community will say, oh yeah, we want you to come and play with us. So it's, you know, you've got to kind of build that critical critical mass of of attention and and uh content that makes you appealing to other people and then you get into that virtuous cycle so it's definitely you know i think the challenges of it uh, yeah it's definitely been challenging and i think we're seeing now really after two years of working it's we're really getting some traction for the first you know in the last few months i'd say we've been getting some real traction that's that's, that's great that's actually quite impressive Thanks for sharing that. No, um, I'm sure someone, to, I'm sure anyone listening to this or anybody listening to this that has challenges in attracting community members and fans and they feel like they are being intimidated by the big players. Adam has shared a couple of tips that has helped the startup. So you can um, still import or adapt. Hopefully. Yeah. It is going to apply to your own startup too. Yeah. And I think so much of it is honestly about as well. Just you know, we have a habit of just saying yes to stuff, even if we don't know how we're going to do it. And then we'll figure out how to make it work once we've said yes, you know. And so we've certainly had opportunity after opportunity, yeah, a, a number of opportunities. We met Ricky Rucavina, our partner, before exactly this this reason. Um, just saying, yeah, of course, we can we can do a bunch of animated content for your this video game you're producing. This was like 15 years ago. We had no clue how we were going to do this, but we were like, yeah, 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 we can do that. And then Eben and I left. We're like, okay, how the hell are we going to do this? Okay, yes, we can do this. Da, 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 da. And we've done that a good few times. And I feel like that, say yes and then figure it out, yeah. I think serves people well, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree too. Say yes and then figure it out. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... um what are some of the biggest lessons from Web2 entertainment models that you want to evolve from or solve for? 
you know, I think the biggest thing is web web two entertainment and traditional entertainment is very much top down. It's I have this idea. I own and control everything. I am the auteur of this space, and this is all my vision. Like so, uh, you got you uh, George Lucas with Star Wars. Like his idea, his thoughts. You know, great. I want to do this thing. You know, lots of filmmakers who fall into that that model. Lots of storytellers who fall into that thing. So it's very much this kind of pop down um, storytelling, and then fans get engaged and they love it. But now they, you know, they're they're just fans of this system. And I think what we want to do, and actually George Lucas ended up, I think, evolving to this to some degree, was we want to, it's this combination for us of, yes, having a clear goal and idea and, and kind of central thesis for a, 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 an entertainment idea or a story or whatever. I think that's still pretty crucial. However, how do you then flesh that out? from the bottom up with people who enjoy what your essential idea is and i think that comes back to the community idea that that you were talking about earlier and that we've talked about a couple of times it's it's how do you have this special you know strong central core in our case it's you know we tend to know here's the central storyline that we are developing but then with this universe that's around it how do we get other people involved in that universe how do we get other people pitching ideas and stories and this that and one of those stories is great well great let's pull that into the central core or let's touch on this idea or let's use that character that you've created so it is more this kind of bottom-up storytelling concept um that is that is exciting and and i think gets the best of both sides of the business you yeah you still get the strong creative central thrust while still getting these fantastic ideas from everybody else uh, which is very cool. Yeah, I agree. It's super cool. Uh, okay, so uh, and now to my final question. You can call mm. this trick question my trick question. I mean, you were you yes. that? <laughs> oh, I now I'm nervous suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how do you solve the Middle East crisis? Uh, what well, good God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, well, then I could have actually asked you that for maybe some other. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't have a solid answer for you. Okay, so uh, what's one part of traditional Hollywood filmmaking you will be happy to leave behind forever? Like you want to leave behind forever. You don't even want to see it exist anymore. Wow. Um, uh, I, how, I guess the question is, that's a great question. And the question is, how kind of R-rated can I get? Um, you know, uh, I very, you know, I think honestly, the big thing I we we've seen this happen, but with the Me Too movement, I but the no, to me, I think the number of times, and this is not just a traditional entertainment thing. I think obviously you see this kind of across industries, but I think especially in entertainment where so much of it is there's a kind of a glamour to it there's a there's a prestige there's this kind of sexiness to to filmmaking and movies and entertainment and i think the ability then of people in power in that uh in that in those industries and in those things to take advantage in completely unacceptable ways um 
I would I will be delighted when that is no longer the case. I think we have certainly made some strides in that direction. I think the fact that Harvey Weinstein is in, you know, is is obviously hopefully headed to jail, and there are plenty of other, you know, uh, a few people I know that 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 have been caught up in some of the Me Too stuff. I'm like, yeah, we all knew what was going on. It's but outside of the you know the the small bubble of this this world that we're in it really wasn't kind of known you know there's some certainly kind of moral gray area in that for myself that i need to look at at some point but it's you know it's i am very much i am very excited about the idea of predators within the industry no longer being able to be predatory you know there's obviously there's always some there's always some gray areas so you talk about the kind of writers rooms where it's you know you're writing an r-rated comedy and there's just a lot of kind of bawdy jokes and it's just it gets very kind of you know it's it can it can make some people uncomfortable it's like okay no that is essential to the creation of this show that is essential to the creation of this tone that we're going for we have to be able to do these and have these conversations and get gritty and get very kind of get crass and sexual and crude and anti-religious and like you've got to be able to have those conversations in certain contexts and that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm directing this movie, therefore I'm going to get the extras to sleep with me. That's just sleazy and shouldn't happen. And so I think uh, that would be my answer, I think. I'm genuinely, you know, I'm looking forward to that no longer being a problem in entertainment and obviously hopefully on from there into the kind of industry and wider world. Yes. Does that answer is okay? Was that an acceptable answer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honesty and the genuine I gave. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we're looking forward to the web three space changing all that and then ah. to get to yeah, have the freedom to create without looking over their shoulders or being scared that I did that oops and uh, so thank you. All right. Um thank you so much, Adam, for being on the show today. Talking to you has been awesome and super informative. I had so much fun. I wish actually I wish we just Recording, recording, and then record for that. <laughs> yeah. Good. Likewise. No, all of busy. Thank you so much. It was such fun. I'm so. I hope we didn't. We didn't run crazy over. I just like talked your ear off. I, I was like, you're like, you know. Uh, so I hope. Uh, I hope uh, your your audience uh, kind of finds it engaging and interesting. Oh, they will. They will most definitely. They will. I had so much fun talking to you and learning about your startup and the entertainment industry. Uh, so and. That's a wrap on today's episode of the Weeping Bike Podcast. Thank you so much to our guests for sharing his insights and expertise on his projects and how the entertainment industry is set to transform. We hope you all learned a lot today. Do you have any questions or feedback in today's episode? Don't hesitate to reach out to us on our social media platforms or send a mail to webweepingbikes at gmail.com. Thanks again to Adam for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more exciting content, so be sure to subscribe and tune in. See you guys next week. Bye.